Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. Welcome again to ASHP's Pharmacy Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we sit down with leaders in the world of pharmacy to discuss perfecting leadership. My name is Sarah White, a retired director of pharmacy, and today we're going to be chatting with Kim Bowler about being a pharmacy technician leader and Sam Calabrese about whether leaders are born or developed and what non-negotiable qualities of successful leaders are. So thank you for joining us today. Kim, let's begin with you. As a technician leader who has completed the Pharmacy Leadership Academy, would you briefly describe your career, including your credentials? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. So I started as a frontline inpatient technician, and during my time there, my peers um, elevated me to take on a lead technician role, which I did for a couple of years. And since then, I've been a pharmacy supervisor at a few organizations. Uh, Currently, I'm at Legacy Good Samaritan Hospital in Portland, Oregon, which is a 220-bed hospital, and it's within a seven-hospital health system. And currently, I am a certified pharmacy technician, and I have an additional credential as a compounded sterile preparation technician. And I completed the Pharmacy Leadership Academy in 2019, which earned me 10 credits or 25% of the required credits at New England College. And I just finished my last course, actually last month, of the MBA program. Perfect. And that's a great way to talk about the fact that you can use those credits. We frequently in the PLA also have PGY2 admin residents that go on to get their master's degree after they finish the PLA. So Sam, would you do the same and include your recent promotion? Sure. Uh, Thanks again, Sarah, for having me here today. Uh, You know, I, I started my career a very long time ago, graduated in 93 and uh, debated on that residency question on to do a residency or not. Um, I selected not to do a residency and took a a longer path in my journey of leadership. Worked for retail for about a year, but then decided that was not for me. So I moved to an ambulatory care job within the military. So I worked for Fort Belvoir in Northern Virginia And that's where I fell in love with management. I fell accidentally into a management position. I learned I had a knack for operations, um, but needed some more training. So I actually went back to school for a bachelor's in business administration. And after I completed that, I relocated to Cleveland, where I decided that maybe I just needed to be a staff pharmacist for a little bit in a health system setting and kind of got a job at the Cleveland Clinic as as a staff pharmacist. But you know, once you have leadership in your blood, you can't sit back too long. Uh, So that was about six months of that. And I moved into an evening supervisor job, filled many management positions within the Cleveland Clinic, 
again, went back to school for an MBA at Cleveland State, uh, but still needed, I feel, a little bit more of pharmacy leadership. And and that's where I found the PLA, one of the second classes to go through the PLA um, and learned more of those skills as it relates to pharmacy. Shortly after that, became the director of pharmacy and then associate chief pharmacy officer, where I was the right hand of our CPO, Scott Knorr, who has been an outstanding mentor mentor for me, taught me a lot about strategy and vision, and really opened up my network. So I've been with the organization for 23 years, and uh, last year was promoted to the chief pharmacy officer for the Cleveland Clinic Enterprise. In that role, I I set the strategic direction for the pharmacy enterprise in, in a consistent manner, which includes managing a $1.3 billion drug budget, over 1,600 FTEs, and I'm responsible for integration across um, 18 hospitals. I strive to pay attention to the nuances of each site. I don't believe in cookie-cutter approach to integration. I think it's more of a partnership on reaching goals, and that may mean that I take different paths in order to get there, but I think it's the right way to go to bring about integration And as always, I am responsible for building relationships across disciplines in order to foster quality collaboration. And Sam, you have overseas operations that you're responsible for, correct? I do. So uh, the system includes 18 hospitals, which is over 6,000 beds. 11 are in Northeast Ohio, five in Florida. We have an operation in Abu Dhabi. And uh, next year, we'll be opening Cleveland Clinic London. An international guy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully I can get there soon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's another deal. Sam, since you teach with me in the Pharmacy Leadership Academy and have completed it, please describe it, how it functions. Sure. Uh, the PLA is a 12-month program facilitated by many outstanding leaders with the goal of really developing leadership skills and providing a network for leaders at, you know, for those students who take the classes. It's broken up into seven modules, each are four weeks in length, and it consists of presentations and reading materials for the students to obtain the information on the concept of of the month being taught, but then it gives them the opportunity to apply that knowledge through blogs, interacting with other students, and a reflective journaling. Uh, The student gets to apply that knowledge in a team-based atmosphere as well, as we have several projects that are team-based, and there's also live office hour sessions. At the end of the program, the student obtains their certificate and the ability to add a Diplomat Pharmacy Leadership Academy to their name. And as you heard from Kim, it's also recognized by several colleges for college credits towards an MBA. Thanks. Kim, uh, why don't you reflect on the most valuable part for you of the PLA? Yeah, just as uh, Sam mentioned about uh, the the team-based approach that happens within the PLA, the peers within my cohort were at various stages of their leadership journey. Um, It was new leaders, it was well-seasoned leaders, but that's really what enhanced the depth of the experiences that we shared with each other. It was really valuable to me to work on projects with other people to learn what pharmacy practice is like across the country, especially in areas such as medication safety, inpatient operations, and what others were doing just to elevate their frontline staff. And this really created an avenue for networking, 
not only within my own PLA cohort, but also networking with former graduates of the PLA that I know personally who have continued to help mentor me. Well, and we've had over 900 of our colleagues complete the PLA, and I think maybe two to 300 have gone on, as you have done, to get a master's degree using that credit. So, Kim, why don't you discuss your letter a bit? Yeah, absolutely. To start off with, you know, the theme that I set out was that you are good enough, and so go and be great. And really where that came from is I think there's a fear that many technicians grapple with and that they want to be respected, trusted, and valued by pharmacists, but often don't feel that it's truly possible. Maybe a few pharmacists do see this, but not the majority. And I wrote this letter to inspire technicians that might want to take a risk and put themselves out there to grow as a leader and maybe start shifting the paradigm a little bit. And I admit that it has been very challenging to have a voice as a technician, but my hope is to, you know, open those ears of both technicians and pharmacists of what technicians can offer a leadership team. Technicians experience pharmacy practice from an entirely different perspective and even culture mindset than pharmacists. And I would argue is just as valuable, but they generally do not have a seat at the table. The pharmacy profession as a collective whole of pharmacists and technicians, I think is missing out by not tapping into these resources that are often not valued at the same level um, as a pharmacist. And I've worked at many organizations where the value of the newly practicing, you know, PharmD was kind of taken more into account over a senior technician with, say, a college education and a decade of experience. This is what technicians, you know, experience, so it's no wonder they may not feel inspired to pursue leadership. But again, I really hope to encourage technicians to realize that they are good enough, and if they're willing to put in the energy, they absolutely can go and be great. Perfect. Thank you very much. Sam, let's discuss your letter. What does your theme, non-negotiable qualities of a successful leader, mean? Yeah, thanks. So not too different. A lot of themes that Kim discussed is like believing in yourself and knowing what your values are. When you asked me to to write this letter, what kept going into in my mind was uh, something you say, Sarah, often is that you are the CEO of your own career, right? And as a CEO of, uh, of a career, you need to have a mission, vision, and values that go along with it. And, and those values drive where you're going as a leader, drives the business, if you will. And I think about these non-negotiable qualities or what do you what are you going to deep root your leadership in and if you use these values as non-negotiables you can't make the wrong decision moving forward it is true to who you are and how you want to be seen in the future so like what legacy are you going to leave along the way and if they're deep rooted in values you read the letter, it doesn't matter if you are born a leader or if you were made a leader, right? So that debate continues on whether leaders are born or made. But if you define what values drive you and deep root that into your leadership skills and presence, 
you will be as successful as a leader. A couple of things that, you know, I talked about uh, two of the non-negotiables for me, uh, one being integrity. I think that being honest and generating trust with the people around you is one of the values that every leader should have. It always reminds me of that saying, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one else is watching, right? So being consistent and, and making sure that employees, peers, your boss understands that you have integrity and I can trust this individual. Um, let's face it, it is all about relationships and the key to any relationship is trust, which is the cornerstone of integrity. The second one that I talked about was the sense and value of a team. And it's so important as a leader. One of my values is, is to know that I can't do things alone, that I need people around me to compliment me, to remove my blinders, to see ahead of what I don't see, and pulling all those pieces together to be successful in our goals and objectives and our strategic initiatives. I think Anyone that goes into it knowing, feeling like they know all the answers is doomed for failure, knowing that you're hiring a group of individuals that are different and diverse and can challenge some of the things that we may state or decisions we may make, because at the end of the day, you'll get a better decision. And also making sure that all of those individuals that are part of that team share in the success So it's not just the leader, it's the entire team that moves things forward. So those are two of my values or two of my non-negotiables. And, you know, the letter is supposed to inspire leaders to sit down and spend time with themselves and say, what is it that I value? What, how is it that I want to be seen when I'm long gone, right? What do I want to be remembered for? And those are the non-negotiable qualities of, of each individual leader. Excellent, Sam. Thank you. Uh, Kim, you also used that concept in, in the advice, a key piece of advice that I share with technicians interested in stepping into a leader role is if you're not willing to work on yourself, take a good hard look if leadership is really what you should do. So a very similar kind of discussion. Let's shift a bit. Uh, Kim, what have been some of your leadership challenges in this pandemic? Uh, yeah, so this was a definite, uh, there's no playbook for how to navigate a team through a pandemic. And, you know, going back to to my letter, um, two key pieces that jumped out were, you know, being able to step out of your comfort zone and really challenge yourself to build those relationships early and that definitely helped me to be successful in navigating this pandemic. And I do consider myself to be an introvert, but discovered that I thrive in learning about what drives those around me by listening to their experiences. And a lot of the tasks that I was assigned were operational and supportive in nature. And I really had to put into practice, you know, what I've, I've learned from the PLA and what my mentors have taught me to excel in this environment. And not only did I have to help figure out how we could scale up our technician team production, you know, by reevaluating workflows and reallocating resources, but also we had to figure out what to do when we were scaling down our workflows due to the cancellation 
of all elective surgeries and essentially, you know, waiting for a surge of patients that unfortunately we were seeing across the country. And as a team, you know, we quickly came together to share what we knew at that moment in time. And we recognized that we didn't have all the answers and the information was changing as quickly as we shared it. And we engaged everyone in developing a plan to help people in our department, you know, remain safe and healthy as possible. From the supportive perspective, which really comes back to, you know, you you put into practice what you learn. And, you know, I challenge a lot of my technicians that I work with to keep me honest and hold me accountable to the same level I expect of them because I'm not immune from disengaging regardless of the role I'm in or the hat I happen to be wearing in the moment. So, you know, it's, it's easy in a pandemic, you know, we forget that we all have lives outside of work and must continue to be supportive of each other because for many of us, you know, our routines changed almost overnight. And I found that routinely checking in uh, with each other um, more than what, you know, was normal to the team is, you know, we were able to grow closer uh, very quickly and we were kind of, there's a more understanding of how the pandemic was affecting each of us. And there were times where we needed to take an extra moment and to reflect with each other on what we were feeling or struggling with at home. And ultimately, COVID was a challenge for the team, um, but we grew stronger as a unit. And I think you know, it's it's crucial to build the trust in the beginning and build those deep relationships. Um, and that is when when things get tough and challenging that we were able to pull together and pull from our varied experiences. And ultimately, we we were pretty successful. Thanks for sharing that. That's excellent, great experiences. Sam, what have you learned about leadership during this pandemic? I think we all learned a lot from the pandemic, but you know what? One of the things I've learned is that you know what what our staff requires from us is a lot of communication, and uh, that was something that we did right from the beginning, making sure that our teams were well informed of all changes that were going on and uh, and information as we as it came to our not in our attention. So if you think back to a year ago now in March where we didn't really know what was happening, but we know we need to take, we, we had to take care of patients. So the only way that I can make sure my folks were comfortable is that they were well-informed and being well-informed, they pivoted at every turn as new information came out and what we had to do. You know, a year ago, we weren't wearing masks anywhere in the hospital that they took a stand that we weren't going to fast forward. Now it's, you know, something that we need to do. And so as we learned more information, we pivoted. And what I'm so proud of my team is that from an emergency standpoint, they jump into action and make things happen. I am extremely proud of that team. But when you look even broader, like across, if, if I'm going to use the state of Ohio, I have saw pharmacy leaders coming together. We had weekly meetings, phone calls every Monday on what's going on in your organization, what's going on in in mine, sharing best practices. 
So what I've learned about leadership is that we are all in it together and that we are willing to share broadly our our best practices, our obstacles, where we may have failed so that we help each other. And that is when you talk about networks, that's what having a network is, is being able to be there when the chips are down and working together to make things happen and implement change. And Kim's right, our techni- technical staff, same thing. They were, they were instrumental in making sure we got things done, took care of our patients flawlessly, and are taking care of themselves and each other to prevent anyone from getting sick on the staff. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that, Sam. You've been active in ASHP. Why don't you describe briefly your involvement and the value to your leadership? Sure. Um, what I can say is that I've been a member of ASHP for a very long time. However, um, I would say being a member and being actively involved are two different things, right? So, you know, I challenge individuals that are ask the question, are you actively involved? And I would say I, I only got actively involved only <laughs> about 12 years ago. I really started getting act- actively involved with ASHP, which opened up so many doors for me. You know, I think I became a better public speaker because of it. I feel my network grew significantly because of it. And I was afforded many opportunities to mentor other students, um, young leaders, um, and I wouldn't have been exposed to that otherwise. So uh, really grateful for ASHP. I started by participating in the section advisory groups or SAGs. Mine was in the section of pharmacy uh, practice leaders. And I volunteered for things as they, as they went on. So where was I needed? Uh, I stepped up and voiced my opinion. So quickly following that, I became the vice chair and then chair of the SAG. And then finally was elected the director at large of the, the section of pharmacy practice leaders. And now I'm completing my time with the executive team as I'm the immediate past chair for the section. So I would say throughout the time I met extremely knowledgeable leaders that to learn from. I think they are available for me when I need to reach out and bounce something off them. I think my experience overall has allowed me to grow as a leader because of the connections I've made and then participating with you, Sarah, in the PLA as faculty. I've been able to be faculty for the leadership boot camp. And talking about international, I still teach for the Australia Pharmacy Leadership Boot Camp. So without ASHP, I don't think my leadership journey would have been as colorful or rewarding. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, Kim, you're on several of ASHP's advisory groups. So share how that's benefited you and your leadership. Yeah. So this is currently my second year serving on ASHP's practice advancement and advocacy advisory group for pharmacy technicians where we really discuss advocacy efforts to advance roles for technicians and how technicians can get more involved, whether it's, you know, at the local or state level, and looking for more opportunities to contribute to the teams that they're currently working on. In addition to the formal meetings, uh, the group also shares experiences and furthers discussion on the technician forum. And, you know, being involved in one of ASHP's technician advisory groups uh, continues to be a really rewarding 
experience. And this definitely opened my eyes at this last year because it was all virtual. And in the past, I hadn't been able to attend in person. Uh, So this year with it being virtual, it opened up another opportunity for a lot of technicians to join virtually, come online and meet. I believe in our call that we had at the roundtable discussion, there were more than more than 50 technicians that logged in and, you know, we broke out into groups and we discussed, you know, the challenges that we're facing. Uh, We talked about just a level of practice across the country for technicians. And it was a very eye-opening experience to, you know, hear that there's just the growth and this drive um, for technicians to want to do more and take on more. And so I took a lot of that back to our advisory group and we started looking across the nation of just where the level of practice is for technicians and the opportunity of where it can go. And it just, it's a great way to engage with, with technicians in a variety of settings. And uh, since then, you know, I've had, Technicians reach out and just say, hey, you know, I have a question. What are your experiences with this? And we're able to, you know, discuss back and forth and help each other out at the state level across the country. Uh, so, you know, it's it's great to be there offering advice, sometimes just listening, um, listening to what technicians are are going through. But it's really just a great platform where we can share what we're doing and celebrate all those accomplishments. Yes, I would comment that uh, having been involved myself with ASHP, it helped me a lot when I moved to California because I knew people and I could call and ask them what the health department does when it really comes in. So that networking is really valuable. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Kim and Sam for joining us today to discuss perfecting their leadership. So join us here on Tuesdays where we will be talking with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.